Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Gilda Evans, bringing you the Autism Resource Podcast. This podcast and the ARP website are your one-stop knowledge and resource base for autism and much more. I'm pleased to have Nicole Ballinghoff as my guest today. Nicole Ballinghoff, Masters of Education and BCBA, has been part of the CAIO team since 2017 and has worked in her field for over 15 years. She is passionate about adaptive behavior analysis, often referred to as ABA, and how it can enhance the lives of individuals with autism and their families. She has worked in school, home, and community settings. Nicole has experienced training staff, developing individualized programs, and creating classroom adaptations and modifications. Nicole has presented at the state, national, and international levels on using iPads in the classroom, differential reinforcement, video modeling, and stimulus control. In her free time, Nicole enjoys spending time outdoors with her family. Welcome, Nicole, and thank you so much for joining me today to discuss the service you provide for this community. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So to begin with, um, I'm going to begin with a bit of a tough question. Uh, There has been some controversy about certain methodologies within the ABA community. What is Kayo's approach and does it differ from the methods considered questionable? That's a great question. This is something I have been reviewing with all of my staff, either ongoing staff or new staff coming in, parents getting started with us to make them aware of this if they're not aware, because I think it's very important to learn and evolve as a field and a practitioner. Um, but there is there is a lot of negative information coming out about ABA. This isn't new. This has been ongoing, but I think there's been a more recent um, surge of this information coming out. So Applied behavior analysis started in the 1960s. Um, it was a very, it was a very repetitive teaching method where um, trials were run over and over again. Um, there was the use of reinforcement, but at that time, punishment was also used, and the field has grown and evolved from that. And what what we do at Kayo is we have a much more child or client led service. So. A lot of the information that's coming out was in regards to adult-directed activities. So where an adult is in control over what that session looks like, and they're they're organizing the schedule, they're setting up the routine, what's going to be done, how it's going to be done, what skills are going to be worked on. And at Kaya, we use a much more naturalistic approach. So we find what that child or client is interested in and use that. If they are, you know, kind of going around their home and playing with different toys, we follow their lead. And that's up to us as technicians to find ways to implement goals in that learning opportunity and in that activity. So I explain to families what this might look like for a young child who's really interested in cars and trucks and trains or whatever that might be. We can work on so many different things all while just playing that activity. So we're not interrupting that and bringing them to a table to work on those skills. Instead, we can work on sharing toys. We can work on a lot of language skills. So understanding and learning and listening and processing. So find the red truck. Can you find the blue truck? So they really have to listen to what you're saying, get that toy. 
You can work on prepositions and different things, all just while playing with that one activity. So that is really our approach. We're looking for what activities the child or client is really interested in, getting that shared interest and having us join in their play so we can then teach within that activity. That's how young children really learn best. Um, and it looks a little different as kids get older. So we don't only work with young children, but working up through teens and adults, it's again, finding their interests. So getting those preteen and teenage clients, finding a shared interest, something they really enjoy and that we can kind of become a part of, whether that's learning how to play a video game that they're playing and having them teach us and helping they're working on a lot of different skills and doing that, explaining to somebody how to do it, follow those directions. Um, but that's kind of one, one way that I think we stand out. And something else is at Cayo, I make sure all of our families know that we're not here to change their child. We're really just helping them be, you know, I say like, I want to help Johnny be the best Johnny he can be. So we don't eliminate behaviors without a replacement or sometimes we don't eliminate them at all. So I think one of the big things coming out is um, adults that had services as children and the interruption of those stereotypical behaviors, those repetitive behaviors that they were engaging in for a variety of reasons. And the field again has progressed in this. And I um, really appreciate that Kayo actually put a blog post out celebrating neurodiversity and highlighting this company wide because it's something I have been doing and working with all of my teams and supporting them of, you know, when a family comes to me and they have concerns about this repetitive behavior, really examining it and seeing it, how much it's affecting that child or client's life. If, you know, I look at it, if there is a safety concern, then I'm obviously concerned and want to help do something about that. Or if there's a concern where they're engaging in it so much they're not able to take in other information, then that might be something I look at as well. And I think prior in the field, when those behaviors occurred, it was like, oh, no, we just need to stop this and do something else where now we're really looking at these things and saying, okay, is it impacting their ability in these ways? If it's not, then that's okay. They can, you know, if this behavior isn't impacting their life, the life of those around them, then it's not something of concern that we want to even change or do anything about. But I talked to one family in particular, and they talked about their child engaging in this repetitive behavior while they were on walks. So I asked, you know, if you're crossing the street, are you able to get your child's attention? Yes. Is it a safety concern? Is he doing it while you're crossing the street? And there's a concern of not being able to get across or a car coming, things like that. No. Um, so I said, then I'm not, I'm not worried about this. If it was to come to that point, even still, I wouldn't just say, no, he can't ever do this behavior. Instead, it's looking for maybe an appropriate time and place to engage in that behavior or giving some other replacement. So maybe something that's not as distracting to them that they can still get that same sensory experience from, but it's not as, it, it doesn't change as much and it's not eliminating their opportunities to engage in that behavior. Yeah, because, you know, especially a lot of adults um, or you know, older, you know, older teens, young adults, that sort of thing that, that have experienced ABA as a child, 
you know, they'll say, well, I, I, I don't like it. It was awful because, you know, they tried to cure me. You know, they tried this, to say that there was something wrong with me because I have autism or something to that effect. And um, so in, in that case, I, in, I can certainly understand why they would have issue and take issue with ABA. So is this the sort of thing that you are trying to work against that kind of image for ABA therapy? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, definitely. And as I've been meeting with other professionals and kind of sharing our approach and what we're doing, I've, I've been noting that I'm realizing Kayo is more unique than I wish that we were in that sense, that I know there are still um, some services that may not be doing things to this level and really having, having the clients part of that treatment planning. You know, as kids are older, I want them part of their goal development. What things do you think you need to work on? What are your goals for the future and how can we support you in meeting them? So I had a teenage client who would say, I'm, I'm not the A word is what he would call it. He wasn't diagnosed till he was older. He really was not, not interested in people coming to his home um, to work on these skills that he didn't see as necessary. So what I did was I broke down the goals that we had developed as a team into language he could understand. And we walked through them and talked about it. And I was just very honest with him. And I shared with him, you know, you tell me that you want to go to college and you want to live out on your own outside of your family's home and have a job and do all of these things. And I understand that you don't think following three-step directions is important. So I broke it down to why, like what that would look like in his real life and to help him progress and meet these other goals that he wanted. And I really made it very individualized for him and had him tell me which goals he thought were realistic, which ones were easiest. And we focused on those first so that we could support him. And I let him know, we don't, we don't want to be here forever. We want to help you and then move on to help somebody else. So I think that kind of really got his buy-in too, where he was like, okay, this this seems easy for me. So let's focus on that so we can meet that goal, get it done and move on to something else. But exactly, we are not coming into cure or change anybody. It's really supporting them with skill development or replacement behaviors and helping them accomplish those goals that they have for themselves. And if you do it that way that you just described, you're really setting someone up for success as opposed to the opposite. Right. And once they experience that success, then they want to do more, they want to learn more, they want to grow more, which is, I think, a, a very positive thing, obviously. Absolutely. Um, and very, very different from the, um, from the approach that I think some other people take who um, perhaps are the source of some of these controversies. But um, moving on to uh, another question, I wanted to ask you then what type of client benefits from Kayo's version of ABA? I mean, the easy answer is everyone. <laughs> um, I, I have used ABA, you know, with individuals in particular, but I've also used it as classroom-wide systems to support in schools of various age groups. I, I think once you're in the field of ABA, you use it in your everyday life. I use it in my personal relationships. And I think we all do because really ABA is using 
the principles of reinforcement to strengthen or teach skills. So kind of thinking about when somebody gives you a compliment or does something nice for you, you usually react in a positive way. And we hope that that is reinforcing to them. So, you know, my husband jokes all the time. He's like, I know she's, she's using ABA on me at home. Um, <laughs> I use it with my own child. We just did potty training. So I had, you know, all the tricks up my sleeve to use that reinforcement, those reinforcement systems to help support my child and make her more independent. Um, but really using ABA at Kayo is geared toward individuals who really need help with replacement behavior. So they might be engage, engaging in maladaptive behaviors that they need some support with, and then also have areas of skills that they need to be taught or have those skills strengthened. Um, I think everybody kind of believes that ABA is for individuals with autism, and it, it definitely works in that population, but we support other populations as well. And sometimes it is dependent on the funding source and how those services are covered, because if there is a diagnosis of autism, they get benefits through their medical insurance, which is really beneficial for those families. Um, but like I said, we support in the schools. And if it's not individually with a child, we can support in classrooms and training staff and getting them to use the principles of ABA within the classroom and to really help support all the students. Um, but we've worked with a variety of diagnosis and ages as well. Well, speaking of schools, because you just mentioned that, can you please review some ways to support the back-to-school transition now that the pandemic is waning and things are starting to open up again? Sure. I know this is going to be a big one for a lot of families, depending on where they live and what their school district was doing this past school year. But I think going back to the in the fall is going to be a big change for a lot of kids. Um which I think families are going to be very welcome to everybody hopefully being in person and being able to get that support. But some of the strategies that I would stick to and use is really, we, we refer to it as priming. So getting the kids ready for this transition. So talking about it, making sure that they're practicing some of the skills that they're going to need to be successful. So dependent on what their daily life looks like right now, making sure they are comfortable wearing masks if that's going to be a requirement for the upcoming school year. Um, maybe, you know, thinking about depending on the age of the learner, what they might be focusing on if they are younger, maybe having them sit and listen to stories so they're more comfortable kind of sitting, listening, being engaged in some activities that aren't, you know, up in movement, which I think summer we all embrace and try to get all of that out with all of our kids. Um, and I've even had some families, depending on how resistant their child is to going to certain locations, either practice driving to that area. And that might be small steps. You know, if they're really resistant to going to new places or going back to school, it might just be, okay, we're getting in the car and just driving around the block and gradually increasing till you get to that desired location and making sure you have a big, you know, I said that reinforcement, something to give them for engaging in that task, maybe practicing playing on their school's playground, just different things to get them ready. And so that it's more fresh in their mind what this place is. Talk about all the cool things they did there. If you have photos of last school year or the year before of things that they enjoyed doing in that setting, reviewing them with the child beforehand is going to be really beneficial too, to get them excited to go back 
to this place. Remember, all your friends are here and, you know, Miss Sarah or whoever the teachers might be are going to be in that place. Also, creating visuals is another big tool we use a lot in ABA. So it might even be starting with a calendar now for counting down to when when they're going back to school. So they can kind of see it and it's visual for them. Um, as I said, pictures are really great if you can show them those things and maybe some checklists as well of things we're going to do this summer before you go back to school so that they're feeling a little more prepared. Obviously, if you can communicate with the teacher ahead of time, that's going to be really helpful as well to make sure your child knows who they are and has a familiar face. If you can get a picture or something like that, that would be great also. Well, at this point then, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to add? And also, how can our listeners reach you if they have questions or they want to know more? Sure. I mean, just... Other areas, like I said, we're using the principles of reinforcement to strengthen and teach skills. And just one thing I noted about replacement behaviors. So oftentimes when we're going in to support a child and their family, the family's sharing with us those behaviors that are more troublesome for the family, things that are coming up, whether that be tantrums or aggression or whatever those behaviors might be that that child's engaging in. Part of our assessment process at CAIO and within the field of IBA is we do a functional behavior assessment. So we want to look at that behavior in particular and determine the function of it and what purpose is it serving for that child. What we then do is help find replacement behaviors. So they're behaviors that serve that same function but are more socially appropriate. So sometimes if a child is having a tantrum or engaging in these behaviors to gain access to items. Instead, what we teach them is ways to appropriately request that item or gain access to that item and making it very individualized for that child, whether that be through um, a communication device, through a picture exchange, through vocal words, however they communicate best, we're gonna use that to help support them. Something that I think some parents are surprised by is sometimes we're teaching kids to say no or to deny activities. And at first, we're honoring every single one of those requests because we want to make that behavior stronger and they get a better payoff for it than that maladaptive behavior. So again, if they were having a tantrum to get out of doing their schoolwork or coming to dinner or whatever that might be, giving them the language or the ability to deny that activity is huge and really helps children a lot realize the importance of communication and how beneficial it can really be for them. Yeah, and then in terms of contacting me or contacting Kayo, you can go to our website is kayocare.com. That's K-Y-O-C-A-R-E.com. And our, on our website, we actually have links to complimentary consultations. So a family wants to know more about ABA or speak with a BCBA directly and gain some information that will support them and their family, they can do that on our website. And they can also schedule an intake call if they were interested in getting started with services. And then our direct phone number is 877-264-6747. And if they wanted to reach me directly, I'm extension 716. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for your time and for giving us some very useful information today. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. 
You can find it on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other popular platforms. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always find us and other great resources on our website, www.autismresourcepodcast.com. I want to thank our listeners for spending a part of their day with us. This is the Autism Resource Podcast, and I'm Gilda Evans, reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.